<laughs> Thought I'd slip in behind the bar here and give you a hand with this last round, Dan. Okay, Mr. Phelps. Had a boy, Dan. Make the boss work for his teeth. Don't you worry, Mr. Phelps. Put in his full share of hours around here. Oh, why not? It's his closer, Mr. Well, give me another beer, Dan. Come on, right up. Say, our raven hasn't been in for his Saturday night quarter cigarettes yet, has he? No, I ain't seen him. He doesn't hurry up, though. He has to get him somewhere else. Yeah. And here's your ear. Oh, I guess this is our time now. No, three guys I never saw before. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll stop a day for something that won't be here, huh? Right, the one who just got down at the front of the bar, Dan. He's still got a sour puss on him if I ever saw one. Yeah, looks as if he wanted to bite somebody. Well, don't lean over the bar. <laughs> well, the other two are coming down here. I'll move over a seat so they can get a couple of stools together. Come on, Johnny. Here's a couple empty seats. Yeah. Get us two beers. Come on, right up. Hey, this Johnny's dead, dead, ain't it? Okay. I'd have a little music, don't you think? Yeah. Look, there's one of them nickel phonograph machines over there against the wall. That ought to do. Well, wait a minute while I see if I can't find something good on it. Sure. Maybe, maybe it'll give the place a little light, huh? Anything special you like? No, just use your most judgment. Oh, that's how you notice the young fellow just put a nickel in the machine. Not so particularly. Why, though? He's wearing gloves. So the stuff is driven. George, you're right. So why would two young fellas who want to wear gloves on a warm night like this? I can think of one reason why they might. Yeah, for anything you can see. Look here, man. If I started with so hard, I'd have to get your hands up. And you? Look at that road, I'm just coming, Mr. Post. Look out, man. I'm going to the bar. What are you doing, Mr. Hurst? This thing has just started with this 45. Get that machine with the button. Look out for another guy behind the bar. He may be trying to pass him. Ah, fuck him, that's a pretty guy. Hold it up. Okay, I got the door. Let's get out of here. Out the back door. The car's in the aisle. Right near the door. A few minutes after the bandits make their getaway, Captain William J. Penfrey. Chief of the Los Angeles Sheriff's Bureau of Investigation arrives at the scene in company with Sergeant T.A. Morford and Deputy Larry Connor. Well, the band has sure made a mess of this place, Captain Country. Yeah, they generally do when something happens to start them off. What I'm thinking about are these three fellows they laid out so much. Well, here comes the ambulance surgeon now. How's everything, Doc? Yeah. Well, I'm afraid we got a wagon load for you this time. Pick up, eh? Well, it's coming. Look them over, Doc, and see if we have a homicide wrap along the rest. It's coming up front here. It's beginning to come through. Oh, oh, my God. We'll be all right on the scaffold. One of them hold-up fellows took him over the head with a peanut machine. Uh, you're a bartender here, aren't you? Yes, yeah, yeah. My name's Dan Murphy. Uh, tell me exactly what happened here tonight. <laughs> okay, boys, take your staff out the end of it. Notable staff wounds and a bullet in them. You know the name of the man they're taking out, Murphy? Well, sure. He's a regular customer here. Named Don Ross. He, he started the fireworks by picking up a fight for oh, How do you mean? Well, when one of those birds called his pickup, a, a friend of his came in the front door. The guy with the kitchen team up, machine. Uh-huh. That's when Ross made a grab at the guy sitting next to him. One of the three was stuck up. Yes, and then what? It was too close for the guy to shoot him, so he hit uh-huh. Ross over the head with his gun. Uh-huh. Every time he hit him, the gun went off. That's what busted most of Ross. I see. Now, what about the third man? Oh, he's the bird that started the phonograph machine. Besides that, he's the bird that shot Mr. Fax, my dog. Mr. Phelps owns this place? Yeah. That's Phelps who's lying behind the bar? Yeah. There you go. That's the proprietor of this place. He's out there in the section. Yeah. Think he'll pull through? He'll be doing well if he lives more than a couple of hours. The bullet in is just above one of his eyes. Hmm. What about the other fellow who's shot? He has a fighting chance anyway. That's what's funny. He was in Rayburn's, all right. 
place, Jack Holmes. I see. All right, I'll check with you later about Phelps, Jack. Okay, Jack and Now, Mercy, I want you to tell me all you can about what these old men look like. Well, sir, the guy that started the rough stuff here at the bar when Ralph grabbed it, and he looks like a mix. Young or old? Oh, none of them was old. This bird looks about to be in his early 20s. Uh-huh. What about the man who shot Phelps? About the same age. And he looks more like an American. Uh-huh. And the bandit who sat up front, what did he look like? He looks like an American, too. Maybe five or six years older than the other two, that's all. Okay. Do you recognize this gun we found beside Doc's body? Yes, he's old. Smith and Wilson passed his house. And what about thirty-eight? was found in front of the bar? I never saw that one before. It must belong to one of them pickup guys. Anything else you can tell us that might help? Sure. The guy that shot my bar told the Mexican-looking fella a Johnny once or twice. Well, it might help, and I hope so. Now, take a good look, Murphy. Most of your customers seem to be back here now. Is anybody missing who was here when the holder took place? No, I don't think so. They seem to be out of us here, no? Are sure? Well, it's tough, I don't know. What about that old DJ who was here as a blonde here? They ain't come back. <laughs> sure, that's right. No, they didn't come back. Everybody else. An old man and a blonde, you say? Yes. Are they people you know? No, as far as I know, there's never been here before. Who's that woman talking to Sergeant Morphy? Oh, Matthias. Well, she's a regular around here, a darn nice young woman. Yeah, she's been talking to him long enough. Let's go over and see what she has to say. I can bet your last bucket isn't hot air, Captain. She's got two feet on the ground and brave. <laughs> she's one of the last of them out of the place. Well, all the more reason to hear the story. Come on. You ran out the back way while the worst of the shooting was going on. Is that it, Miss Ellie? Yes. When I got out in the alley, I got as close to the back wall as I could, and I tried to keep out of sight. Oh, that's perfectly natural. What happened then? Well, a blonde girl and an older man had followed me out of the cafe, and they were huddled against the wall with me. Oh. Then a few moments later, the bandit came racing out, and they made for a green Pontiac sedan that was parked several yards up the alley. As I leaned forward to see if I could catch the license number. You get the back, Johnny. I'm driving. What are you trying to do? I'm trying to see if I can make all the And I'm sure that if the blonde hadn't yanked me down, I could have had those numbers for you. Well, they're most likely felt they were asking for your own goodness, Elliot. Yeah, maybe, but I'm not so sure. Why? What makes you say that? Well, it's just an idea. But when we were lying there in the alley while those bandits were getting away, the blonde and his friend were whispering to each other. If they were frightened, they said he didn't show us. Whispering, huh? What about? I don't know. They were talking pretty low, but once or twice, I heard the blonde girl giggle as if she saw something funny in what was going on. Maybe she was hysterical. She wasn't hysterical when she pulled me to the ground. I see. Well, you've given us a swell clue in noticing the make and color of their car, and we have a pretty good description of them. Oh, oh, one thing more, Sergeant. Yes? That girl and her friends kept watching the door before those bandits entered the cafe, as if they were expecting them. They were sitting where they could give a signal in case there were any police officers in here or the holdup might look too dangerous. Well, Miss Elliot, I'd like to ask you a question. While that couple were listening together out in the alley, did you happen to catch any names? Names? No, I don't think. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. I'm sure I heard the older man call the girl Mary. Uh Uh-huh. But you didn't hear any other name mentioned. No, I'm quite certain I didn't. Captain Tenfrey, I have an idea. Yeah? Uh, there's an unpaved alley out there, and the getaway car is bound to have left Parasite. Yes, you're probably right. I'll have Miss Elliot here show me where the car was parked, and if I find anything of the sort, I'd suggest we leave a deputy to guard the tracks until it gets light enough to photograph. Sure. Meanwhile, I'll make a check up of stolen cars and see if we can make anything fit. Okay, now, Miss Elliot, if you show me. Sadly, after daylight, 
Sergeant Morford returns to the alley behind the beehive cafe with his camera. A deputy is seated on the overturned box protecting the tire track that had been found during the night. Morning, Sergeant. I'm sure glad to see you. <laughs> What's the matter? You sitting sleepy? Oh, a little cut eyes not going to do me any harm. What are you thinking about? It could have been raining. Yeah. Well, let's have a look at these tracks in the daylight. Okay, I'll get this box out of there. There you go. Oh, swell. Nice clear print. Yeah. You take the measurements, and then I'll get this camera set. Okay. Hey, say, how are those fellows that got plugged last night? We got homicide now against this bunch as well as robbery. Phelps, the owner of the place, died this morning. Yeah? That's too bad. Yeah. What about the other guy? says he'll pull through all right. That's good. Uh, what about the money? Do you know how much those tickets got away with? Not very much. I think the bartender said it was $48. Gee, imagine killing a man. $48. Bucks. The last laugh was on the bandit. There were $2,000 in an empty soda carton, not more than three feet away from the chair shed. Is that right? Yeah. Now the camera is set up. We'll see what kind of a picture we can get. Okay. And a photograph of a parasite, sir. Yeah. What's your interest in it, buddy? Nothing much. I was in a tire plant up the street here, and I just noticed that those tracks belonged to our six flyers Yale's Deluxe. Oh, do, huh? Yeah, it's one of the best tires we turn out. Got any idea what kind of a car might use them? Most likely one of the better ones. Yale's Deluxe is expensive. Well, you suppose a person might buy them for a party act? Sure. Just the other night, I saw Pontiac equipped with Yale's Deluxe over on Belden Avenue. You did, huh? Yeah, it was a honey of a green sedan. Just the kind of a car I'd like to own if I could afford it. You don't remember where on Belden Avenue you saw this car, do you? No, I'm not sure, but I think it was either the 6 or 700 block. I see. Well, I've got to get going before I'm late. Thanks a lot, buddy. That's okay. I like a few deluxe. It's me. As soon as I get these photographs, we're going over on Belden Avenue and see just what we can see. You should see. You're going to sleep half the time. Yes, oh, hold on a minute. Hey, there's a place that looks kind of deserted. I just got a hunch. Look, uh, the garage doors are open. Let's park and give the place a once over. Don't see that. Come on. We're looking at the garage first. That's our best bet. I hope your hunch works, because we won't have to go cruising up and down the street anymore. Well, I'm just as sick of it as you are, but there's no percentage of overlooking anything. Here's a grudge. What happens now? First, I'm going to have a look at these tire tracks on the floor. This place is so full of sun. We got everything in here. Hey, take a look at these tracks, will you? Do they look familiar? My God, they look like the same one. That party has been in here, all right. You better have. You want me to go back to the car and get the camera? Yeah, and while you're at it, uh, Hey, wait a minute, huh? Aren't those license plates sticking out from under that pile of magazines? Yes, they look like it. I'll take them out. California plate 3N8026. Hmm. What do you think, sir? I'm willing to bet a month's pay against the rubber two sticks those plates were issued to that green party act. What do you mean, Julie, in my garage? I can answer your question, lady, but I hope you'll be pretty busy answering mine with the sheriff's office. Oh, oh yes. Well, suppose we go into the house. We can talk better there. I'm sure, as I say, I only met these people recently at a party. Naturally, I haven't the same idea they were criminals. Let's see if I have these names straight on this, Lee. 
Harry Groves, Leo Waller, Johnny Robles. Yes. Uh, Johnny Robles is the one you said was a Mexican, isn't he? Yes. And the blonde is Mary Groves, Harry's wife. Is that right? That's right. And the old fellow's name is George Brown? Yes, he spells it. B-R-O-U-N. Oh, <laughs> B-R-O-W-N. I'm glad you told me. The right spelling will make it easier to look him up to have a police record. Suppose it does. And uh, all five of them were here last night, huh? Yes. And Mary and George Brown left a little before the others. Then that's why Harry Groves and Johnny Robles were out fixing something that was wrong with the car. Yeah, while they were out switching license plates, more like it. Uh, outside of the Groves' address, which you gave me here, you don't know where any of the others live. No, and I wouldn't have known nothing when he made it to the other day. Well, I won't take any more of your time, Mrs. Lee. You've been very helpful, and I appreciate it. That's perfectly all right. I have no doubt your information will go a long way toward putting these people in jail where they belong. I sincerely hope so. Oh, uh, will it be all right if you use the telephone for a leave, Mrs. Lee? Oh, I'll right ahead. It's right there in the hall. Thank you. Uh, telephone sheriff's office, make a report of this. Hey, Captain, this is Sergeant Morford. Yeah, Morford. Have you got anything on that Pontiac yet? Yeah, the report is stolen a few nights ago. Why? You have license plate 3N8026? What's that? How did you know? Because I got those plates in my hand right now. What's more, I've positively identified the Pontiac as the bandit's car. Wait, I haven't finished yet. On top of that, I've got the names of the three gunmen besides those of the blonde and the old geezer that tangled with Miss Elliot in the alley behind the cafe. Thanks, Captain. Well, Captain, I think you better take a couple of the boys and meet me at an apartment house with the hangout of one of the bandits and his wife. Wait a minute, I'll give you the address. The search for the apartment reveals nothing of importance. And it's decided to abandon further search for the moment while the record is checked for criminal records against the bandit suspect. You know, climax is one thing that almost always gives us fellas a break. Couldn't near every time a job like this beehive cafe business is closed, the suspect of a record as long as you're on. Yes, there's no question about that, Sarge. Take this guy, George Brown, for instance. His record dates back 25 years. Yeah, I know. He's been in and out of prison more times than you take a stick at. Well, girls, there's no stop either. Been playing hard and sick with a judge since he was 12 years old. Waller's record is nearly as bad. Oh, well, they never learn. Anyway, Joe's landlady has identified his and his wife's pictures, and Mrs. Lee has identified all five of them from their mug pictures. I don't think it'll be long now. That bartender, Dan Murphy's coming out to put the finger on him, too, isn't he? It'll be here any minute. Have you got anything against Johnny Robles? Drunk driving is all. We wish it was only drunk driving when we pick him up this time. Come in. Oh, hello, Murphy. How are you? I'm still trying to see if he's in a suit now. Well, I don't doubt it. Yeah, have it too. Murphy, I want you to take a look at these photographs and see if you recognize any of the people. I'm sure this is the man who beat her ass over the head of his gunman and shot him. He's a fellow with our Yeah, what about the other? Huh? Oh. Uh, this is the one who stood over by the, the record machine and killed Mr. Pope. This fellow is the one who knocked out Ray down with the peanut machine. What about the last two? Yeah, I recognize them, too. It's the blonde girl and the old man who was sitting at the table together last night, you know. Thanks, Murphy. That's all we wanted to know. Is it all right to go now, Sergeant? Sure. Well, right. so long. Goodbye. As far as I'm concerned, that's settled it. We've got the right mob, Carmack. Satisfied that he's on the right track, Sergeant Morford checks for the motor vehicle bureau and learns that George Brown has a finished sedan registered in his own name. Obtaining the license number, Morford telephones all the agricultural stations along the California state line and tells them to be on the lookout for the premise bearing these plates and also for the green Pontiac sedan. Then, late the following Sunday afternoon, the telephone rings in Captain Penbrace's office. Captain Penbrace speaking. 
Well, you knew he was a stick-up man, didn't you? I knew Harry'd been in trouble a lot during his life, but I... Yes, but what, Mary? Well, I suppose I did know that he was doing some things that weren't quite right. And you say you didn't know he was going to hold up the beehive that night, is that it? Yes. Did George Brown know? I don't know. I don't think so. But you're sure you didn't know about it? Yes. Well, then how? How did you come to be sitting in a cafe while your husband was sticking it up? Well, Harry and I have been separated for several months. I didn't recognize him. I was too frightened, I guess, so. So I ran over the place with George Brown. You say you and your husband were separated? Yes. Well, if you and your husband were separated, it's a funny thing your landlady didn't know anything about it. You haven't got an answer for that one, have you, Mary? And you say you didn't recognize your husband on the night of the shooting because he was so frightened. Yes. You were sitting facing the door, weren't you? I think so, yes. Well, then how is it you didn't recognize him during the four or five minutes you took him to drink a glass of beer and select a number on the record machine, which was near your table, and get the thing to play him? You weren't scared then, were you? You haven't got an answer for that one either, have you? Come on, Mary. Why don't you tell us the truth? I am telling you the truth. I haven't got anything to be afraid of. If you haven't anything to be afraid of, then why did you dye your hair? You haven't got an answer for any of them, have you, Mary? Well, Mary, I'm sorry. But I'm afraid we'll have to hold you and George Brown without bail on charges of murder and attempted murder. No. No, I don't know anything about it, I tell you. I know it, I tell you. You can't give it to me. You can't give it to me. Three days later, a green Pontiac sedan containing three men approaches the outskirts of Kansas City. What are you going down for, Leo? Where well, I leave you guys. What do you mean, leave us? Yeah, what are you talking about, Leo? I've traveled as far as I'm going in this hot car. Well, what's the matter with you? You getting soft? No, I ain't getting soft. But I ain't too fond of the idea of getting slapped back in the can either, see? No, we've got this car without no trouble, can we? Yeah, but I'm thinking there's more luck than anything else. Ah, oh, you're nuts. All right, I'm nuts. You and Johnny can go on if you want to, but as far as I'm concerned, this is the end of the line. Don't worry, we will. You don't suppose that was a bum tip we got from the Los Angeles Sheriff's Office, do you, Randy? We've been staked out in this local street place for a pretty near a week now. Maybe the guys that told us about are doing a little sightseeing along the way. Well, a job like this can get pretty tiresome. I'm beginning to see... Well, look. Huh? Hey, it's a green party accident, all right. And they're pulling off in front of the house. Yeah. But only two minutes. It's worth 33. Never mind that. You see the license number. Even my car I can tell me the California place. Yeah, number six. It's him, all right. They're coming down the wall, huh? And they've been ready to throw down on them in the middle of the road. Oh, and those places they get killed and men wanted for murder. Quiet, at a point. All right, put up your hands, boys. This way. What's the, yeah. what's the rap, copper? I'm thinking you know as well as I do. Better, maybe. Take them down for a killer, fella. Yeah. Put the cuffs on them. How'd you mugs know we was coming? A little birdie told us. Oh, wise guy, eh? You know, they're going to be mighty glad for you back there in California, you two. Almost as glad to say to Missouri, but to get rid of you. Yeah. Well, tough will keep my mystery for a while. Okay. Now, where do we go from here, Flatfoot? Right now, we're going down to station. After that, I wouldn't be thinking too much about where I was going if I were you. Now, come along, both of you, before I lose my temper. <laughs> moment we shall hear the conclusion of our story. In the meantime, I ask that you remember two things, very important things to the motorist who wants the most for his money. For the complete protection of your motor, use real loot. The lubricant that can't be congealed by freezing weather any more than it can be broken down by excessive engine heat. 
And for maximum money-saving power, pickup and smooth acceleration, Rio Grande Trust. The gasoline of outstanding police car performance. Grove, Robles, and Brown were sentenced to life imprisonment in San Quentin. Waller was later captured in Illinois and will be extradited for trial. Once again, the lawbreaker is learning that crime does not pay. Thank you.